We are in Mark chapter 4 and Matthew chapter 13. I apologize on your outline. looks like I have an extra Mark 4 up there, but you can just delete one of them. And you can even pick which one you wanted to scratch out. But last week we were looking at the lamp. Jesus was teaching about the lamp. He said the purpose of the lamp is to give light and not to be suffocated or to cause destruction. We don't want to, to, you don't bring a lamp into a room for it to be snuffed out. So he said you don't come in, you don't put it under a cover, put it under a bushel. If you did that, it would suffocate it and it would, it would lose the light. So that's, that's not the purpose for bringing the lamp into the room. It's not the purpose to put it underneath the bed. And we told you what kind of a bed it was in mind there. But you don't put it under the bed. That's not to conceal the light, but that would cause some damage because that was an open flame. And you don't want to just bring that into a place and cause some damage. The Word of God, though, has been used to cause damage in people's lives. The Word of God has been used and has been snuffed out. People don't, I don't like what that Word is teaching. I don't like what the Gospel says there. Let's just snuff that out. Let's just get rid of that. That's not why we have the lamp. That's not why we bring the lamp in. And so that's what Jesus was teaching. No, you have a lamp stand. You have a place you put that lamp out there. And we need to let the light of God shine in our lives to illuminate our lives and to teach us about more word, but also to be a light to other people. We had that dual call. We are to be a light to the world and we are to be a light in ourselves so that we can learn from these things. We saw that it said in the same measure that we measure out. We looked at that word measure. That word there is to determine the quality and the quantity, it will do both. The time that we take to determine the quality is also the time we will, or the, the amount of time that God will give to us, how much attention He will put to put more in. If I put very little attention into the word that He gives me, how much more word is He going to give me back? I've got to make sure that I honor that. I put that at the high point of my, of my life. Make sure that you're always taking in you're always being good, good seed. I left you with this. If we are attentive to what we hear, seek understanding of it. Work to apply what we learn, what, what we learn into what we do. Got to learn how to apply what we learn into what we do and willing to, and deliberately share it with others. Despite any bad attention that it might draw, God will see us as good soil and intentionally sow more seed into us. The verses of scripture we were looking at, Mark chapter 4, 21. Also, he said to them, is a lamp brought to be put under a basket or under a bed? Is it not to be set on a lampstand? For there is nothing hidden which will not be revealed, nor has anything been kept secret, but that it should come to, to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Then he said to them, take heed what you hear with the same measure you use. It will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. For whoever has, to him more will be given. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Those are the verses we went over last week. God is looking for people that can handle more. All right, you can handle that much. Here's some more for you. If you can't handle a whole lot, he's not going to try and even it out. God is, he is not into, uh, what's that word? I forgot the, the thing called. He's not into communism. All things equal. No. Some people handle more words than others ones do. And if you can handle more words, God's going to give you more. And if you can't handle what you got, then God says, well, I'm not going to give you much more than that. You can't handle what you, what you have. And so we want to make sure that you, you are able to handle those things and we give the attention to it that we want to do. So those are the verses we looked at last time. But Jesus continues to teach the disciples in the explanation of this vision. So that's we want to go on here to uh, take a look and to see. Now I'm going to uh, shed this because I am warm. <laughs> Now last week, <laughs> last week I was watching around and we had, we had one group over here fanning themselves and the other ones over here putting coats on. We can't do anything about that. <laughs> We're trying to hit somewhere in the middle <laughs> and do the best that we can with that. But, uh, whew. It is, it is warm. Let's pick up here Mark chapter 4 verse 26. If you have uh, never been here, how many have never been here when we taught on the, the parable of the mustard seed? A couple of people. How many have been here when we taught on the parable of the mustard seed? If you've never been here when we taught on this parable, I am going to give you a perspective that you may have never heard, but I think once you see it, you'll say, well, of course that's what it means. <laughs> so we'll see how we do with, with getting through here, and I think it will help you out. 
Verse 26, and he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day and the seed should sprout and grow and he himself does not know how. For the earth yields crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, and after that the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Now, how many were blessed by the reading of the word right there? (laughs) How many have absolutely no idea what in the world he's talking about here? What does this have to do with what he was just talking about? Now, I can see the sowing, the, the seeds growing, stuff like that. But how is this giving me more light? How am I supposed to get more understanding on this? Because if I go into the word of God and I read it, but I don't get more understanding, then it can't change anything that I'm doing. And if I can't change anything that I'm doing, then I I can't yield a a harvest off of it. I have to do something with the word in order to reap a harvest in my life. So it's important that we understand these things. There's actually a a, uh, three parables that will go together, all of which should be handled together. But very often we separate them. Now, what he's he's talking about here, this is the process of growth. This is the process of growth. This is how the seed grows. Now, he left off a couple of pieces that he explained earlier, but we're going to tie them all together in here. But this is the process of growth. Because if I, I can tell how good seed grows, this is important, get this. If I can tell how good seed grows, I will be able to recognize when bad seed is in my life. That's what he's teaching here. He is teaching you how to recognize good seed because good seed grows in a certain way and bad seed also grows in a certain way. And so he's going to tell you how to tell the difference between good seed and bad seed. Now, one parable we did skip over because we covered it not too long ago in the previous series, and that was the parable of the tares, which was someone coming along and sowing bad seed. Now, Paul teaches us in the New Testament how much false doctrine, that there will be false doctrine. He says there will be abundance of false doctrine and people will not listen to sound doctrine. They will want false doctrine. They will crave false doctrine. There will be people who will supply them with false doctrine. He said this will come about. It will be preached and it will be accepted by the church. So what he's telling us here is there will be plenty of bad seed as the day draws near. If there's a lot of bad seed around, I need to be able to know the difference between good seed and bad seed. Because if I get bad seed on the inside of me and I let it grow, it's not going to be very good. But the nature of the growth, the nature of the growth will tell whether something is good or bad, whether it is beneficial in my life or whether it is destructive, whether it is harmful, whether it will will hurt. So first, the sower sows the word. We got that from the the parable, the sower sows the word in the field or the soil and he lets the seed do what it's supposed to do. So he goes out. This is the parable he's talking about now. The sower goes out and he sows the word and he goes to bed. He goes to sleep. And while he is sleeping, the seed is germinating. It's growing. The guy who sows it, he doesn't necessarily know how this is going. He doesn't know how it's going to grow. I don't know all the things that are involved in making the seed grow. But it doesn't stop him. He goes out, he sows the seed, and he has done his part. The other part is up to the seed. It's up to the soil. It's up to the uh, uh, God who's programmed these things in there. It's not his responsibility. He sows the seed. And then he lets it grow. And so we have here that the, the seed will go. We know from the previous parable that not only does the seed go, but at first, the first thing the seed does is programmed to do. The first thing it will do is goes down. It roots. If you have rocks there, it can't do that. So it's going to lose part of its program. But the first thing the seed wants to do is go down. It's going to put in some roots. He doesn't talk about that in this particular parable, but he already has talked about it. So the seed will root and then we know the seed will sprout. And then it will grow. Even though I don't exactly know how it did that, how does the seed know which way is up? There's not a seed out there that does not send its roots down and its stem up. You never have to, you never have to open up the seed container and it says this side up. <laughs> right? 
They don't make any difference. You take the seed, you put the seed in the ground. Oh, I think I planted them upside down. No. There's no upside down. It's up to the seed to figure out which way is up and which way is down. And it's able to do it. And it knows, send this up, send these down. This is what we do. So it's got all that taken care of. I don't got to figure out how all that works. It just does it. Now it's going to, it's going to sprout. We're going to have the different stages. We're going to have the, the uh, stalk that's going to come on up. We're going to see the buds. We're going to see the heads. And eventually they're going to turn into the ripened fruit. And then there will be a harvest. That is the cycle. For what he is talking about here, this, the cycle is clear. It is always this, don't get, don't try and get into anything else outside of what he's talking about. He is talking about going out and sowing the grain. Grain is not a, it's not a perennial. You don't go out there and sow it and it's going to keep coming back all the time. You go out there and you sow the grain and you harvest it. You sow the corn and you harvest it. And then what happens? You got to go out and you got to plant more. That's the whole idea with that. You have, how many like perennials in your garden? Like perennials? Now, if you've, if you've ever done gardens, and, and I've you know, dabbled a little bit here, and then my wife is the one who likes it more, but perennials are cool. They are really neat, and you plant them, and you know, they keep coming back. The problem with perennials is they have a bloom season. Two weeks here, maybe three weeks, they're blooming, and then they're done. And then they're just the color of the foliage from there on out. So if you do the whole garden in perennials, then you're going to have sometimes with no color. So you try and you know get perennials, all right, this one will bloom the end of July, this one will bloom the beginning of June, and you try and space them out so you have a little bit of color. But what are you doing all the other time? Annuals. You get the annuals, why? Because the annuals bloom from the beginning until they die. They just bloom all the time. Why? Because I got one shot at this. I got to make as many seeds as I can. The perennials, they aren't programmed that way. They said, oh, if it doesn't work this year, it's always next year. It's no big deal. <laughs> it's, they're programmed differently. So if you really want to do a nice garden, you put some perennials in there. They'll come back all the time. You, know, you put some annuals. All right, you got you to replant them every year, but you got lots of color. You can mix up the colors that you want. This is what you want to do. But he's talking about these plants. They're not, they're not perennials. They're annuals. So you got to go out and you got to sow them. The idea of sowing it is once you sow it, you get a harvest. You go out there and you get the harvest. You bring the harvest in. And then the next season, you sow some more. You take from that harvest and you sow some more. That's the whole idea of what we're supposed to do. Since it's the word, the idea is you sow the word into other people. You reap a harvest. God gives you, oh, you're sought there sowing the word. Let me give you some more understanding here. Let me give you some more word. You get some more and then you go out and you sow that. And you keep sowing and you keep gaining. But this, that's the cycle. Sow, grow, ripen, harvest, and then sow. That's the cycle. Sow, grow, ripen, harvest, sow again. This is the cycle we're supposed to go on. That's the cycle for a healthy seed. This is what the Word of God should do. When you get the Word of God, it should be sown in you. It should put down roots. It should be more... The Word of God is more interested in sending roots into you than it is to being on display. That's the true Word. It's going to want to root on the inside of you. Once it does that, then it will start sending out shoots and there'll be things that people can see. Boy, I can see the word working in you in that area. But sometimes we get a wrong thing in and I want more. I want people to see, look at what God is doing me and I'm not putting the roots down. Roots down, something to show, then the buds. We're not ready though at the buds, are we? No, we got to keep going from there. The buds have to come into, they got to be fully ripe. Nothing worse than taking something off the vine that's not quite ready yet. But, you know, you go out there, you like blueberries. I like blueberries. Blueberries are good. But don't pick them too soon. They won't be so good that way. You want to have those blueberries at the right time. Have a corn. Anybody ever corn picked right when it should be? Oh, man, I'll tell you, that is good corn right there. Mm. I don't. All the people want to say corn's no good for you. I don't care. 
fresh corn. I like it. I like it with butter and salt. If I'm going to have corn, I'm going to have butter and salt. I don't salt a whole lot of food. I just don't need to. If I needed to, I would. Nobody's going to have out there tell me, stop doing salt. No. I listen to my body. My body says, put some salt in it. I put some salt in it. But I probably put salt in less stuff than most people do. I would say that. But when I get corn, butter, real butter, and salt, mm, that's good. But if you get that corn fresh, that's even better. Get it when it's, when it's, when it's ready. That's the growth process. That's the growth process we want to find. That's what we want to see. This is good seed. He then goes on here in Mark chapter 4 and verse 30. This is a very misunderstood parable. Then he said, To what shall we liken the kingdom of God? Here is the first assumption that most people make. If Jesus is relating something to the kingdom of God, it must be good. That is an assumption that a lot of people make. Jesus has taught some things about the kingdom of God, and some of them were good. But how many of y'all know in the kingdom of God there are some bad things? Not of God, but they're in the kingdom of God. People have brought them in. To what shall we like in the kingdom of God? Or with what parable shall we picture it? He's making a picture of the kingdom of God. It is like a mustard seed which, when it is sown on the ground, is smaller than all the seeds on earth. But when it is sown, it grows up and becomes greater than all herbs and shoots out large branches so that the birds of the air may nest under its shade. Now, when we get over here to, to Matthew, do we, did I pull Matthew into, into mine? Let me read Matthew, Matthew 31. Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds, but when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes what? Becomes a tree. That word therefore comes is the Greek word ginomai. If you ever heard Rick Renner on that, he has a lot of fun with this word. It is talking about leaving one state and becoming another. You remember when the devil came and tempted Jesus? He said to Jesus, he said, command these rocks that they become bread. That is the word that is used, ginomai. It is a word that means to come into being. Now, it has a lot of general uses here, but I want you to take note of this. How many have ever had a mustard tree growing in your yard? There's a good reason for that. There are none. The mustard seed produces a bush. It's an herb. It is not a tree. So why does Jesus refer to the mustard tree? That's your first clue as to what this parable is meaning. There are no mustard trees. There are mustard bushes. There are mustard herbs. And you glean the mustard seed from those. It is the least of all the seeds. Mustard seed. Remember he talked about mustard seed faith? Well, mustard seed faith, Jesus is always consistent. It must be good. Right? The mustard seed is good. The mustard seed represents good things. Which indeed is the least of all the seeds, but when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs of which it is and becomes a tree. Ginomai. It becomes a tree. Just like with Jesus, it was a stone, became bread. It was an herb, became a tree. Why did the mustard bush become a tree? All right, hold that thought. So that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. Isn't this a pretty picture? We got a nice tree given some shade and the birds come tweet, 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 tweet and they land in the branches. And oh, it's such a pretty picture. Except what is the enemy of the seed? Birds. So let me get this straight. We got a mustard seed that is the seed of a bush that has become a tree that is now home to the enemy of the word. 
What in the world is he talking about? Can you ever think of a time when the kingdom of God, when the church became an enemy to the word? Well, you can pretty much just, just about any time in history. But during the dark ages, I love history. Oh, I am a history nut. I love history. I loved history in high school. I should have loved history in college, but we had the worst church history teacher on the face of the planet and the author of most books on church history. Dr. Howard Voss, worst teacher on the planet on church history. He took somebody who loves the church, loves the Bible, and loves history and got me to hate the topic. I still remember my days at Kings for that. He was terrible. But during the Dark Ages, I had a hard time studying the Dark Ages because the church took over. They were overly powerful. They tried to rule the world. They tried to rule rulers. They were not interested in the Word of God. They were interested in furthering their power. It was a terrible time. What Jesus was telling people here is the kingdom of God will start off with a good seed and it will become a great herb and it will eventually become something that was never intended to be and the very enemies of the seed will nest in its branches. He told you the dark ages were coming. He told you that in the church there would be people who are enemies of the word. Can we still say today that there's people in the church that are enemies of the word? We sure can. He's saying this is what's going to happen. He didn't want it to happen. He's trying to warn people that this could happen. But we took a good seed, a mustard seed, a seed that Jesus used demonstration of faith. Started off with a good seed. It started off with the right growth, but then it altered because people stopped the cycle. The cycle was so, let it sprout up, bud, fruit, harvest. And what happened was people became focused on the tree. We need to make this the most powerful, the greatest, the tallest. And they focused on making sure that the bush grew into something big and became a tree. It wasn't supposed to be that. But that's what they focused on. And sometimes people have not focused on the harvest of the word they are focused on, let's make the institution of the word. Let's make the institution something great. And Jesus says, that's not what it's supposed to be here for. Well, skipped over all your blanks, but probably got most of them. Normally, a mustard seed grows into a bush, not a tree. But this tree was greater than the herbs. It was an herb. It's, it's an herb. It's not a, it's not a tree. So the nature of the plant, the nature of the mustard seed changed. Instead of sowing seed, we're now looking to cultivate the tree. As we said, the birds of the air represent Satan and his kingdom. Let me read this verse to you. Revelation 18.2 And he cried mightily with a loud voice saying, Babylon the great is fallen. Is fallen. What does Babylon represent in the book of Revelation? I mean, we're talking about a city, but doesn't it, does it represent good things or bad things? Does it represent the Antichrist or does it represent the things of God? Antichrist. Antichrist. Babylon the Great has fallen, has fallen, has become a dwelling place of demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. Think that tree ought to have birds in it? Nope. If you come over to my house, we have cast all birds out of the house. If you have birds in your house, that's up to you. No, you can have birds in your house if you want to. I'm not, I'm not telling you all that. I used to run a pet store down in Horsham. I helped the guy who run it. And uh, he decided to bring in, instead of fish, we brought in birds. And so we had these parakeets. And so uh, since I was going around feeding the fish and doing stuff with it, I just uh, took it on myself. And so I took the parakeets and I would train the parakeets. And, you know, they, they chomp on you a little bit. They're, they're aggressive that way. And, but I got to him eventually that he would sit on my ear and not bite my ear. 
They would sit, sit on my shoulder and not bite my ear. And I would go around and I would feed the fish with this bird on my shoulder. And it took a little while to get one to where, you know, he would sit on the shoulder and, and come back on my finger. A customer came in, I'd get him on my finger and i bring him on over there and I got him tame and stuff like that. And, oh, I want one. And so it would go. And then I had to start training another one. And so I got to, you know, where I could do that. I never wanted a bird. Birds are dirty. They've got to be the dirtiest thing you'll ever bring into your house. They will throw feathers. They will throw dirt. They will throw all sorts of stuff all over the area, around the cage. Um, I, I agree with the word, the birds are bad. <laughs> I will go outside and see all the birds that I want to, and then we will leave them there. But some people, they like their birds. And I know those, those folks who buy those big birds, you know, those, uh, I don't know what kind that they, McCall's and uh, they will, you actually have to put in your will what happens to the bird because most of those birds will outlive you. Amazing, those, those things. They just keep on living. So you got to figure out who's going to take care of this bird when I go. Not me. So this is the former enemy to the seed. It makes its home in the tree. They're breaking the cycle. The birds came and they made a nest in there. We're not harvesting anymore. In fact, they're probably just eating, eating that. Let me give you a couple of examples on this. Remember Jeroboam? I'm trying to give you examples of ones we don't have to teach you too much on. They're fresh in your mind. Jeroboam, he was given a word from God. Remember the word that God gave Jeroboam? If you will follow me like the house of David, like David followed me, I will make up your house just like the house of David, an enduring house. That's what he said he would do. I'll make you an enduring house. If you will obey me, if you will serve me, if you will do like David did, I will do this for you. That was the word that he got. But then he got another word. Another word came to him and said, if you let the people of Israel keep go down to the land of Judah and sacrifice, they will eventually leave you and go back to the house of David. Oh, we can't have that. We need to set up our own stuff. So he op- opted on the new word and so instead of building the kingdom that God wanted, it went away. See, the word got corrupted. He took on a... It, it's, he had a good word, didn't he? He had a sound word, but he didn't stay with it. He let it be altered. And what was given to him was, was uh, corrupted. Remember the religious leaders of Jesus' day? The Pharisees? The Sadducees? One other group. You remember who they are? scribes they were religious leaders of the day they had good word to what they went on they learned good word but they corrupted it they became more focused on keeping the sabbath became more focused on different uh, laws of purity so much so that they couldn't even see the son of god in their midst They couldn't recognize the miracles and the power of God that was going on. They had a good word, but they let it become corrupted. Just because a leader started with the true seed does not mean they will preserve its integrity. See, sometimes people want to get a new word. What new thing is God doing? I get scared when I hear people talking about some new thing God is doing. Let's get the old thing down. They get a new word that negates everything that came before. I'm real cautious when people say, well, I got this word from God and everything before is gone. Everything before is junk. Or an angel delivered to them a doctrine. I had this angel came down and I was listening to, um, uh, it wasn't even Brother Hagen. I think it was Keith Moore who was telling the story of Brother Hagen. And I had forgotten the story. Maybe you hadn't heard it. But uh, Brother Hagen had taken his family and they had gone to see... Um, uh, they went into, I guess it was in New York, they went into the, the Mormon tabernacle. Uh, they went in there to see the, the place, the building that they had in there and, and so forth. And they were uh, on the stage and they looked up and they had this statue of this angel. And they had a name for him and he said the name and I don't remember what the name was, but they had the name for this thing. And this was a statue of the angel who delivered the word to, I think it was Joseph Smith. And this is the word that he got that he started the church off of. And so he had this, this word. And so as Brother Hagen and the family was there, all of a sudden he said his son went into a seizure. 
And um, the Spirit of God came up on the inside of him. Says, he says, oh, I can't remember how he said it now. I'm going to say it wrong. And I want to give you the wrong, the wrong idea. But um, I'll try and figure, go back and listen to that one and, and, and try and, and uh, make sure I say it to you the right way. But they had to get out of there. And the, the Lord said, it is one thing if I send you into that place. But you are not made to be a tourist in the territory of the devil. So he didn't go back in there. <laughs> he got out, and that was uh, the last thing they had with the seizures. So, yeah, be careful of that sort of stuff. There are, there are places that will pose themselves as bearers of the seed, but they've corrupted it. They have corrupted it. They'll have an angel deliver them some doctrine. They were, maybe they were called up into heaven. You ever heard this with people? I've heard this with people. Called up into heaven. And they get stuff that is not in the Word of God. I mean, it's just ridiculous things out there. There was a Mario Murillo. He got up there. I enjoy him. <laughs> he calls things out. He got out there and he was talking about uh, whoever it was, some, uh, some uh, lady who keeps going up to heaven all the time. If you like this lady who keeps going up to heaven, that's up to you. I don't listen to her. I have not listened to her. I will not listen to her. If you want to bring that into your... your I, I guard the seed. I guard what comes into my, <laughs> my ears very, very much. And I've heard some of the things that she has said. And I said, I know that is be false from the word. And when I am amazed, what, amazed that, I've said this for a long time. How is it that never in, in human history has God ever called somebody up to heaven on a daily basis until you? That tells me something. But some of the things that they were coming down with. and Well, Mario got up there and he called this one out and called another one out. Called him by name. People got into this case. Why are you calling him out by name? Well, Paul called him out by name. Why not? People are being deceived into this sort of thing. They want to go, I want us up into heaven and God told me this. Well, tell, show me it in the Word. If it's not in the Word, then I'd question whether God told it to you. At least told it to you to... to Pass on and tell you some things. Let me, let me go off on this for a minute. Remember in the book of Revelation? And John was told some things in heaven. And he was going to write it down. And he said, don't write it. Why? That's not something that was to be shared. I, I suspect, this is just my suspicion on this. I suspect that he saw something that wouldn't be validated in the word of God. It's still true, but it's not for us. He said, don't say it. See, if there was actually stuff like that going on, God may, may sh uh, share them and tell them, but it's not something you ought to be going off and teaching. There are some things I think I know are true. I think I know are true. But I can't substantiate in the Word. I will not teach you. I will not teach it. I suspect that they're true. But until I know from the Word of God that it is true, I won't teach it. And you, you have to do that. But this is what they'll do. They'll, they started out with something good, but it got corrupted. Make sure the good seed that you have, preserve it. Make sure you keep it as good seed. You stay renewing the purpose of the abundant life. I put in your outline there Zoe, because that's what Zoe means. Zoe is the abundant life of God. In case you haven't heard this or haven't read your bulletin, what's in there, Zoe is, every time you see the word, eternal life it is the word zoe because we are called into a different life than the world is and our life ought to be different that's the purpose of our church is to teach you how to live that life make sure that you learn learn that life but be a sower don't be a judge don't be a judge well i'm not gonna i don't know if i ought to give you you look like you might be rocky soil no so so keep sowing sow in the rocky soil Sow on the roadside. So just sow. Keep on sowing. Why? You got plenty of seed. God has plenty of seed. Keep sowing. Keep putting that, that stuff out. Don't be a judge. Give up selfishness to love others. Learn and do the will of God. Become spirit, not flesh dominated. Just, just a few things. You can probably add some more stuff to it. Let's go on here. Matthew chapter 13. We switched over to Matthew. And I want you to see these verses in Matthew because though Mark doesn't continue on with his next parable, Matthew does, and he flows right into it. Right after verse 32, he goes into verse 33. One verse on this one. Look what he says. 
Another parable he spoke to them, The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took and hidden three measures of meal till it was all leavened. Wasn't that good? <laughs> How many of you are saying, What does that mean? Well, Matthew 16, verse 6 through 12. I'm going to read this to you. Then Jesus said to them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Is leaven good or is leaven bad? Leaven is bad. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have taken no bread. But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, O you of little faith, why do you reason among yourselves because you have brought no bread? Do you not yet understand or remember the five loaves of the five thousand, how many baskets you took up? Now the seven loaves of the four thousand, and how many large baskets you took up? How is it you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread, but to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of the bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So when he's talking about leaven, he's talking about what? Teaching or doctrine. So another parable he spoke to them, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. How about if we just substitute that and put in their doctrine? Just to help us understand this. The kingdom of heaven is like doctrine, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till it was all leavened. Now, the doctrine of the Pharisees, the doctrine of the Pharisees, uh, Sadducees, their doctrine had become corrupt. And he's warning them, be careful about this. This is bad doctrine. Instead of sowing seed, we're supposed to be out there sowing seed. But this woman, what is she doing? Is she sowing seed? No. What is she doing? She is hiding leaven. Did Jesus ever call us to be hiders of leaven? When he gets to the high holy days, what kind of bread are you supposed to eat? Unleavened, because leaven represents sin. So in the Bible, in the Old Testament, leaven represented sin. In the New Testament, leaven represents false doctrine, which really is sin. Now, just like the seed, the leaven does its work while it's buried. You put the seed, the seed does its work in the ground. The leaven does its work in the, in the bread. But here's the difference. The seed roots in the soil. The leaven changes the nature of the bread. You see that difference? The seed doesn't change the nature of the soil. It roots in there, and when it's done, it goes away. But the leaven... Once you leaven something, you cannot unleaven it. Unleavened bread means there was no yeast added. You've got to keep that off of the thing. It's not like coffee. Have decaffeinated coffee? Well, the coffee comes with caffeine, right? So you go through a process to take the caffeine out. From what I understand of people who drink coffee, they also take the flavor out. Or they take something out. They, people don't like the decaf as much as they, they like the other. But leaven will permeate every part of the dough. You hide it in that dough and it finds its way all through. It works its way until the entire thing of dough is saturated. This is the same way that false doctrine works. It takes over everything. You look at people who have allowed false doctrine to come in their life. It, has dom- it will dominate everything about them. You cannot get on a conversation with somebody who has false doctrine in them without them finding a way to get onto that topic. Isn't that right? You got brother, sister, so and so, and they got messed up in this area over here. And no matter what it is you try and talk to them about, they find their way to get on this topic. They got false doctrine. Everything leads back to it. It's like, oh, I was trying to stay off that topic. I didn't want to have this conversation with this person. Because they got this false stuff in them and no matter what I talk about, they want to come back to this topic. Because it's the same thing with leaven. It takes over. It permeates the entire thing. So the entire nature of that dough is changed. Now the Holy Spirit probably doesn't support that doctrine. It's false doctrine. How's he going to support it? Since the Holy Spirit doesn't support my doctrine, I've got to find other ways to support it. So I got to find teachers that will teach those things. Pretty soon, if a person gets so caught up with that false doctrine, all they listen to is people who teach on this topic. 
That's it. Can't do that. You've got to, you got to be broad on your, you got to understand the whole word of God. How can you rightly divide the word if you don't know the whole word? You got to get into the whole word of God. But you look at people who've been drawn into false doctrine, everything comes to that. I've got to hear more people teach on this thing and teach me the wrong stuff on it because the Holy Spirit's not reinforcing you on it. The Word of God's not reinforcing you on it. Friends who don't agree, they'll try and sow, sow the seed. They have, they have friends who don't agree. They're always trying to sow seeds into you of this false stuff until they finally decide you're not going to accept them and they cut you off. The doctrine is too insecure to hold up under any scrutiny. They won't have any kind of a, a, a real discussion. They won't listen to anything that you have to say because this thing has totally taken them over. And, you know, I've seen this with different topics over the, over the years. Uh, for a while in this country, deliverance was one of those. Deliverance is a right thing. There's, people need to be delivered. There are times that that comes up. And, but then people were going, they were casting out everything. You know, I cast out a spirit of sneezing. I cast out a spirit of coughing. I cast out, no, just whatever it is that you got, they're going to cast out a spirit. Of that's, that's gone too far. You took something that was good, but then you corrupted it. But then they get so much into that, and they accept so much false doctrine in that area. All I want to hear is people teaching me about deliverance. All I want to do is go to meetings where they're just delivering people. I know my brother Hagin used to talk about one person, one lady who came up, and she... Uh, she had this thing, her, her mouth was uh, leaking. And she kept drooling out of this one side of her mouth. And so they, he was talking to her about it. And he says, well, I never had that, but I was in this, uh, in this meeting and they told me I had a demon. And they needed to cast it out of me. And so they were casting this demon out of me. And ever since that meeting, that, my mouth has just it's always drooled in this way. And Brother Hagin knew exactly what had gone on. He says, well, you got in that meeting. You opened yourself up. And uh, you're not possessed, but he explained what it was, was going on. And so he just cast that spirit off of her and, uh, she, and it dried up and she didn't have any problem anymore. And he said, don't go to any, any more of those kind of meetings. You're going to go to a meeting where they're always looking for the devil. They will find the devil in you. You don't need to be doing that sort of stuff. See, that's the wrong side of it. Then people saw that and they just went the other way. Well, we don't need any deliverance at all. And that's, that's not the way that it would go. You, you can't necessarily go in, in those kind of directions. Uh, I've, I've got a lot of my counterparts in, in Rainbow. I'm kind of disappointed at how many of them have gone over into this side. But that whole thing with the, with the blood and pleading the blood and uh, all this sort of stuff. And, and I listened to some of, uh, I've heard some of these guys teach on it. And to a T, every single one of them I listened to, these are Rhema people. They grew up under the same stuff I, I grew up under. It's a Rhema people. And they're, they would say, well, I know it's not in the Word. And then they would teach on it. Well, yeah, but my, it always worked for my mom. And they, you know, they draw the bloodlines and stuff like that. And to, to me, it's a doctrine that keeps you out of doing what you're supposed to do, which is take authority over the thing, use the name of Jesus, and stand in faith. And it's got you doing something else, something that, well, it's just throwing it all off on God. But I've seen people, they get so wrapped up in it, that uh, they can't tolerate anything that's not going to support this in their life. And so they cast out all the other things that are in that area. Um, you got to be careful of that. Look for the signs that you have gotten some leaven into your life. If you can't tolerate any contrary opinion, you, it, it may be a problem. So I can get around with people and they have different views on spiritual gifts than I do. That's all right. I never feel the need to impress upon them the importance of spiritual gifts. That's something that they have decided they don't want in their life. That's all right. It's fellowship on these other areas. And we go off and we talk about the other areas. I know people who don't believe that Jesus is the healer. I don't cut off heal, uh, fellowship with them. There's a whole lot of other areas we can have fellowship with. And so we fellowship on, on those areas. I know places don't believe in the baptism of the Spirit. Don't believe that speaking in tongues is for today. That's all right. I can still get along with that. Just like in the natural realm, uh, when I was more of an Eagles fan, I mean, I'm still an Eagles fan, I just don't watch them anymore. <laughs> uh, I still follow, you know, I may, may take a look at some things here and there, but I just don't, I, 
just don't have the interest for it that I that I used to have. But when I was a bigger Eagles fan, I remember many times having a conversation with a Giants fan. Fun conversation. Oh, we enjoyed each other. We were down in Jamaica, I think, when we were down on vacation, and we had a big table, and uh, we were around, and we're, we met the guy's wife first, and so she said, oh, we're from the New York area, and we're from here. Oh, she said, are you an Eagles fan? I said, oh, yeah, I, I like watching. Oh, we're going to have trouble. And we had no trouble at all. Uh, he was one of the most level-headed Giants fans I ever met. <laughs> we just had fun talking about he knew the strengths of our team. I knew the strengths of his team. We didn't have to call each other names or, or put each other's teams down. Or like that. We just had a fun conversation. Really enjoyed the, the conversation with that. I've sat next to a Dallas Cowboy fan in a place getting ready for a, 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 some work on the car. And we just sat down and had a great old time talking. It don't matter to me if you're a Dallas Cowboy fan or a San Francisco fan or an Oakland fan or whoever fan that you are. That's fine. You're going to like who you're going to like. And we can, we can still have fellowship on, on these areas. I can still have fellowship with people who don't agree with me. Let's find some areas where we agree on. But you will find out if you've got some leaven on the inside of you, you cannot tolerate anybody on the other side. It's just an intolerance to the, to the thing. And no, you've got to see it this way. You've got to go after this way. If you don't start casting more devils out, these are the things that we'll do. Leaven can come in and take over. We don't want to do that. Let's take a look at this uh, verse, though, uh, a little bit more. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven, which a woman took. That word there for took is actually means to come into or to take possession. It's a very common word, but it can also ha- it also has the meaning or the connotation to seize and to take by force. So if we look at it this way, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, bad doctrine, false doctrine, which a woman uh, seized. It doesn't sound so good, did it? Well, see, we're not harvesting anything, so we have to go out there and seize something and then hid. Now, I wrote this in your outline because I want you to see something on this. The word here for, for hid comes, comes from the Greek word encrypto. Can you hear a word in that? Encryption. It comes right from that word. This is the only time this word is used here and in Luke when Luke writes the same thing. Now, crypto is used, but not this one. Encrypto. The meaning is very much like what we use it in English. This is why they pulled this from the Greek. Encryption. It means to take a message and hide a message in it. Isn't that what encryption is? You can see the message, but it's encrypted. So without the key, I can't decipher it. I can't really understand what this message is. So what he's saying here is they, these people with these false doctrine, they've taken and they have hidden this leaven in the loaf. They've encrypted it. And so the people, they take it. They don't discern that there's, there's something that's not right here. And they, and they bring it in. It means to hide in or to mix in. Like I said, it's only used here. Here in Luke's version. This is the only time that it's used. The word crypto is used 15 times by itself, but not this one. This one, the, the way that it's used here, this is it. I, got, I pulled out one use of the word crypto so you can see this. You are the light of the world. Matthew 5.14 A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. That's where that word, that's one of the places where that word is. So this woman has seized something that is false and hidden it into the dough so that it would permeate the whole thing. And this is, if you've ever watched false doctrine work, you will find it like this. person accepts a little bit of it and it begins to permeate their entire being. Pretty soon, all they want to do is feed on things that teach them about this topic. And it begins to take over more and more. Pretty soon they can't hear anything except for this. And then they're blind to the things, they're deaf to the things of God. Because this thing was encrypted, it was hidden, and they took it on. The nature of leaven is to dominate. So if I notice this kind of force in me, it could be, first off, the good seed 
could, it could be the good seed. I've taken good seed, but the nature of that is changed. You could have started off with some good seed, but the nature of it was changed. <clears throat> have you ever heard anybody who listened to the teachings of Brother Hagin and taught some really weird stuff? Yeah, I, I sure have. Have I taken some teaching from Brother Price? Yeah. Well, Brother Price taught this. Well, he didn't teach it like that. There was a particular church. It was somewhere south, somewhere in the, the middle southern states. I forget where it is. Uh, I used to know them a little bit better. But they came out of Ramah, husband and wife team. Oh, man, they were, they were so bad. Brother Hagin went there personally to try and straighten the thing out. They would go off and they'd say, we're Ramah grads, we're a Ramah church. Well, they, they were not a Ramah church, and Ramah cut them off, but they still advertised themselves as being that. They did some of the most hideous things because they tried to control. You talk about shepherding. They went beyond shepherding. And they tried to control all the members of their church and control their finances. And uh, it, was, it was really a bad scene. And they were able to eventually uh, make sure that they were very public. They are not a part of Ramah. And, and they were leaving a, a very, very bad name for that. But good seed whose nature has been changed or leaven seeking to change my nature. Leaven is it's going to come in. It's going to try and do, dominate you. False teaching is going to try and, and dominate you. It's going to try and tack on to something that is good, that is right, or it's going to encrypt something. It's going to sneak something in and you're going to grab hold of it and you won't let it go. Well, some examples of this were the Galatian saints. They had allowed a corrupted word in their midst that was so altered that Paul wrote to him and says, you have not taken a gospel that is similar. You have taken a gospel that is a completely different species. So much different than the gospel that I preached to you. He was mad at them and rebuked them right off the bat. The Thessalonians received a corrupted word. You are in the tribulation now. <laughs> and Paul had to write to them and says, no, you are not in the tribulation. It isn't. This is the word that, that Paul wrote to them. It is impossible for the tribulation to occur until the great catching away occurs first. The rapture has to happen first before that will go on. Judas received a corrupted word about Jesus and his thoughts and nature toward Jesus changed. That took over his entire being. Drove out all the good stuff to the point that he decided I'm going to betray Jesus. I'm going to sell him out. This is what will happen. We've got to be on guard for these things. This is what Jesus is telling you. Here's the good process. Here's the right process. The right process is the seed is sown in you. It roots down on the inside of you. It then becomes visible for people to see. It then begins to produce buds and things that are going to have fruit. It's then going to have fruit. You harvest that fruit and you go out and you sow some more. When I get word from the Lord, I get revelation. I get understanding. I take that revelation. I take that understanding and I sow it out into more people. I speak it out to other folks. I put it to work in my life. We're, re we're reaping a harvest off this thing. When I do that, more comes back to me. Then I get more understanding. Then I get more light. And then I do the same thing with that. I let it root down on the inside of me. I let it sprout up. Other people get, can begin to see it. It begins to produce the bud. It then produces a fruit. I get the understanding. I put it to work in my life. I go out and I sow some more. That's the process. That is the right process. The wrong process is the leaven process. The wrong process is the mustard seed, mustard tree process. Where something right was corrupted or something corrupted was snuck in. And it changes what we do. It won't let you do that, that process of harvest that we were told. Good seed has a God-ordained pattern of growth. The word is sown. And I give attention to it. Remember a verse of scripture, Proverbs 4 and verse 20. My son, give attention to my word. Incline thy ear to thy, to, uh, incline thy ear to, oh, how do we go? That's it. Incline thy ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them. You've got to keep the word of God before you. Don't let this get away. You've got to get the word not false stuff. You got to get the word. This is what the word says. Whenever something new, whenever God gives you something new, write this down. 
whenever God gives you something new. What you already know will confirm it. Oh, I, that has to be true. Because this is so. Oh, now I see. And see, it begins to complete some stuff. And now I've got more. And then I, I put, apply myself to that. I give attention to these things. I'm giving attention to the word that I've got. I'm keeping it before my eyes. I'm not letting it depart from my mouth. I'm speaking it. And then more will come to me. Oh, that even fits in right with what I understood here. Because knowledge, understanding is progressive. Beware of people who say, I suddenly got this revelation. And it goes against everything they had before. I've told you a few examples of that. And I've heard of a few over my, my, not many, but I've heard of a few. And I am real cautious about that because I know the way my God leads me, it is progressive. Here's this. You can take this one. When you are training up a child in the ways of, of, of the world, you teach it two plus two, right? And then you, you progress beyond that. Now we're up to uh, 14 plus 15. And then we get up there to 121 and 167. And you know, we're, we're, then we're doing multiplications. But the thing is, you never have to go back. Now, remember I told you two plus two is four? Well, that's not right. That's right. Because you give them the basic things because what you're going to give them later on is going to be based off of this. So why would God lead you into two plus two, four times four, and then, well, I'm, forget that part I told you over here. No, that's not how God leads you. God says we need to give them this part first. When they get this, now they can take this. Oh, they got that real good. Now give them this. And knowledge is progressive. I am real cautious of anybody who says, I suddenly got something and it made everything else obsolete. I question where that source came from. Give attention to it. I'll become rooted in it. And you become rooted before you make a showing. First the blade and the flower, the bud, the head. Following, you get the ripened fruit and then you harvest. Don't harvest until the fruit is ripe. More seed is sown from the harvest. So the next harvest can be even bigger because I got more seed. Each harvest can produce a greater result because each harvest will progressively be multiplied into a greater area. Godly knowledge, godly understanding, godly wisdom, it is all progressive. What you learn today will be added to down the road. God needs you to learn this today so I can add this to you down the road. If I don't learn this today, I'm not going to be in a place where I can learn this down the road and I'm not going to have what I need. But darkness has a way to corrupt this process. One is to change the, out, change the outcome of good seed and the other is to hide or to sow bad seed. Leaven into whatever it is that you're taking. Either path, it will lead to a nature more in line with darkness and one in line with the light. Has a doctrine in your life reached such a supremacy that everything leads to it? Everything has to reinforce it? You find it dominating your thoughts? You find it dominating your conversations? If that's the case, you might have some leaven in your life. You better take that back to God. God, is this something that is leaven? Have I let this become too dominant in my life? If you're always trying to converse with people to get them to agree with you, you may have pulled in some leaven. Because I know when I have the truth of God on something and, and I'm talking with somebody and they say, I don't agree with that. Okay. <laughs> I'm okay just to walk away. I don't have to make them understand. I don't have to make them hear. If you don't want to listen, that's fine. Let's go find something else you want to listen to. But people that have swallowed false doctrine, they will not do that. They must make you understand. It's a sign... Sower sows the word. They don't make it grow. You sow the word. Be content with sowing the word. I'm content to sow the word. I don't have to get in your life and do all the things to make it grow. No, it's up to you. You're the soil. The word of God, though, it brings changes to your life. When there are, when there are word of God changes in your life, they are gradual changes. God does not try and 
Most, most of them. Every once in a while you're going to run into a David and Bathsheba. All right, stop it. <laughs> That's a, but, uh, you know, he, he missed it with, with some stuff. But God is content with gradual changes. People are not. I want you to line up with what I understand of the Word of God now. But God is okay with, you know what? You are so much closer today than you were a month ago, a year ago. I'm so pleased with your progress. Because you keep improving. You keep, but that's our God. That's our God. False doctrine won't do that. But God will make gradual changes. False doctrine demands immediate change now in conformity. They bring you to living out the, your new creation nature. That's what the Word of God will do. It wants to make your new creation nature come out. These changes come by choice. Very often, changes that come from false doctrine are not by choice. They are coerced. Or you're just lining up because this is what people do. God's way replaces bad desires with good ones. Satan's way is to identify bad desires and to just try and make you quit it. Just use your own willpower. No, God wants to change your desire. He wants to make you take, I don't desire that anymore. Selfish traits. He wants to get you to replace bad desires for good and selfish traits for kingdom-seeking ones. Here's some things for your outline, the last ones for you. A mustard seed shows the corruption of purpose. In the mustard seed parable, we see the corruption of purpose. In the leaven parable, it shows the corruption of beliefs. The enemy will try and corrupt the purpose of the word in your life, and he will try and corrupt the beliefs that you glean from the word of God in your life. But they both corrupt the growth process of the word seed. And God wants the word seed to go right along that process we started off with. This is the growth process. Let it grow. It's not instant. Put it in the ground. Let it root. Let it spring forth. Let it bud. Let it bear fruit. And let it be harvested. God knows that's the process. He is very content with waiting for that process to come about in your life. Don't get in a hurry. You don't have to you don't have to be in a hurry. Let it grow. Because as you let it grow and that seed comes, if you bring in good seed, you will then be putting out good seed into other people's lives. And the more seed you put out, the more seed you'll have. The more understanding, the more wisdom, you'll have things to put out yourself. Would you all stand up with me? Father, we thank you that you are growing us. You are growing us in your word. You're growing us in the things of God. You are teaching us. You are sowing seed by speaking to us in your spirit. You have put teachers in our lives, ministers of all sorts, who speak to us and sow seed into our life. Once that seed is in there, it needs to root. It needs to sprout. It needs to get the bud and the flower. Come to a place where the head of the fruit is developed and a harvest comes. Father, this is your process for the good word. I thank you for how that process is going, how it is growing in our lives. The enemy has a process too and you have identified them here in these words. Help us to be able to spot when the enemy is wreaking havoc in our belief system and stripping us of the purpose that the word has. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, glory to God. I hope these are Jesus' teaching here are helping you and that you're, you're getting some things from that. We have a video teaching coming out for you tomorrow. This is somebody new that I have not put on the video teaching. He may not be new to you. You may have heard him before. I had not listened to him uh, until recently. I've listened to a few others. I'm glad I listened to the one I listened to first. Because I may not have pursued any other ones. They were okay. They just weren't anything that you know I would have brought out there on Monday. This is a very short. This this guy is um, now Adrian Rogers. How many of you ever heard of Adrian Rogers? See more of you probably heard of him than me. Than me. He is a more polished speaker than I like. I like you know the the Rick Renners and the and the um, um, you know Brother Hagen. They're just themselves. They they still speak very very well. They they don't do a lot of the the things that they detract from that, but 
you still very much see their personality. You don't see that so much with Adrian when he's teaching. He has, this is what we're getting into. and So just be aware of that. It's, it's very polished, but he's a very good speaker, and you will enjoy it. I liked it for this, because the entire time of the 38 minutes we were listening to this, that's all that it is, it's 38 minutes long, he made me think. I love it when someone makes me think. He made some statements in there. Hmm. Oh, I got I to gotta be thinking about that. I was cutting the lawn when I was doing it. I was out there cutting the lawn, listening to this, and oh, oh, you know what? I think I can think of something in the Word of God that worked for. And so um, it's out there. It'll, it's already there. It's already up there. If you don't want to just go, it's uh, loaded it up on our, our uh, church YouTube pages. Go to the YouTube page, and, and you'll find it in there. Um, it's an intriguing title. But this was a, the quote in the bulletin came from what he was saying in this message. And it very much intrigued me. So I hope you go back there and you, uh, you listen to it. If you have some comments about it, love to hear it. 38 minutes. That's all it is. He hits it fast. And I like that about people. <laughs> There's not a whole lot of wasted time in this thing. He hits you. And he, he had about five things I could have put in the quote for the bulletin this week. And there. And I just, I, I did thoroughly enjoy it. I hope that you will enjoy it as, as much as, uh, as I did, but that will be coming out. And I also want to tell you this part. We put the, the link up on Facebook, and Miss Gladys and I were having a conversation on Wednesday night, and she helped me out with this. The Facebook link takes you to view YouTube in Facebook. And that's a bear. I don't listen to stuff in Facebook. I don't know about you. I just don't like listening to stuff in Facebook because if you stop something in Facebook and you come back to it, you start at the beginning. That's a... That's frustrating. <laughs> I want to pick up where I left off. And if you close out Facebook to you know, go check something, it stops. YouTube is far better. And the link I give you is the YouTube link. So if you want to bypass that, here's how you go. If we download it to the church YouTube site, you just go to the YouTube, uh, our YouTube channel, which is real easy to do. I think it's just Zoe Christian Fellowship 1250-1250. And you, you'll get there. Um, you can text me, too, if you, if you need help with that. But just go to the YouTube channel, and it's right there in our videos. It's, it's going to be right there. But the link I'd send you out on Mondays, the link will only take you to the YouTube viewing. It bypasses Facebook altogether. If you would like to be on it, we only have about seven or eight people, I think, that are on the YouTube, uh, that particular YouTube list. I got a couple of uh, text lists, and not everybody's on all of them. If you want to be on the Monday text list because you want the YouTube link instead of the Facebook link, then just text me, tell me on the way out, something like that, and I'll get you on that. Because all you got to do, you get the text, you touch it, a little blue text. You touch the blue text, you go right there, you listen to it. If you have to stop for some reason, when you come back, it will pick up where you left off. It is far better than, uh, than Facebook for that. So if you'd like to have that, uh, we would be happy to put you on. It's no big deal for me to put more people on it, less people on it. If you want to be on there, we can certainly do that for you. But I hope you enjoy this one tomorrow. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I listened to it twice. And um, hope that you get some, some time out of it as well. Wednesday night, we're picking up with Zechariah. I had a fun time with it anyway on, on Wednesday. And I hope that uh, the people who came out were able to as, as well. But we're going to be picking up with the end of chapter 1 and the beginning of chapter 2. There are two visions there. And a lot of what he does has to do with end times. And we'll be talking about some of those things as we go through them. Bless some of the folks that are around you. Next week, we do have the book class. We'll have that going on. Have a great rest of your day.